And it's a wonderful Sunday night, Las Vegas. Welcome on in to Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas. It's Tim Unglesby and surprise, surprise, Ari Platinum back behind the board tonight. It's been it's been it's been a little while Ari's been with us, but we appreciate him stepping in tonight for Damon and, and handling the controls on the show. My co-host, of course. From TomBartonSports.com, hashtag SGN, Mr. Tom Barton, Tommy. We are we're getting we're playing a little schedule, this and that with the Raiders games in preseason. But we're here tonight. We're here till midnight, and we're gonna have a good time. Happy birthday to <laughs> Tim! Right? Should, should we stop hey. that up there, Tim? Happy birthday to you, man! I know you, you only got a couple hours left of the birthday, but I hope it was a good one. Thank you, my man. I appreciate it. Did the did the family thing, had dinner. You know how it gets when you, we get our age, Tom. It's um, it actually, you know, it, it's uh, not to say it's not a great day, right? Because we're here, we're healthy, we're doing our thing. But so, sometimes it can be a little depressing, Tommy, you know. Not not too too much of the day spent thinking that way. But sometimes you're just like, really? Another year? Wow. <laughs> Another one go, goes by, right? It, this is the week of birthdays. I have your birthday, one of my best friends in the whole world. My uh, my daughter's birthday, that is a little bit different. She's four, so she's pumped up for this one, right? This one comes on Wednesday. My mother's birthday it has her 72nd birthday, and then my wife, uh, the 25th, turns 40. So you want to talk about getting a little depressed. You get a, I have a wife turning 40. Um, it's, it's one of those times where I got to go, okay, uh, all right, look, <laughs> we're going to make this as fun as it possibly could be because I'm not letting you be depressed. I was going to say that, that little small window of depression is easily covered up by the fact that you'll be on a beach in Florida. Yes, I will. Absolutely. <laughs> Key West can fix anything. There, there's no age there. There's no age in Key West. Right. And, uh, yeah, it helps that. I have another birthday, a four-year-old birthday coming up this week. That's always a really fun thing. Um, and, you know, it's funny because, it, you know, you said you get depressed. You know, I told my wife this. I don't know if you feel the same, Tim. 40 didn't bother me. 30 didn't bother me. 41 bothered me a little bit. And 31 bothered me a little bit. I, maybe it's the, the idea that now I'm into my 30s or into my 40s. Uh, but those are the only ones that bothered me. I know you're still kind of a young pup compared to me. It's it's the realization that you hit a milestone birthday, but then the following year it's like, damn, I'm almost to that next milestone. So, uh, yeah, I feel you on that. It, what, what's it, you know, I, I don't think I've ever asked you this, but isn't it weird that myself, your wife, and your daughter are all in the same uh what is it? Astrological sign? Is that is that correct? Yes. Yeah. I don't believe in the astrological signs, but yes, it's definitely weird. I will tell you this: uh, my wife always uh, complains because she was, uh, you know, a Florida baby. Um, she lived in Florida, grew up in Florida in late August, and that was when kind of like kind of kids were going back to school. I, I used to think summer birthdays were amazing because summer birthdays here we don't go back to school until September in New York, and that means pool parties. You know, what do you what do you think I'm doing on Wednesday? Well, having a big giant pool party for my daughter um so i used to think they're great and she said oh no late august it's bad because you know you're hot and you're in school and i said oh wow yeah see different parts of the country so i know you grew up on the east coast so you had to have nothing but pool parties am i right yeah but i moved when i was like eight so 
Um, we, we had them out here too. There, uh, you know, it wasn't like it is now, but there were still places you could go. And a lot, a lot of, of course, with the heat, Tom, a lot of indoor parties for the kids as time went on. But hey, you know, we, we do what we have to do. What's, what's the plans for the for little girl? I know you got something big planned. We have a huge birthday party. She's uh, that's what she's hoping for. She wants all of her friends. Big. We have it. We have a nice in-ground pool here. You know, so a big in-ground pool princess birthday party, bringing all the the friends that a a four-year-old has, which means there's going to be like twenty kids with you know their brothers and sisters or my. The backyard will be uh, forty fifty deep. I'm sure. <laughs> well. Let's let's celebrate the rest of my birthday. Let's celebrate your daughter's birthday for the next couple hours, and we're going to sit back and talk sports. We do what we do best. And, and Tom, of course, in hour two, we will continue college football previews with Conference USA and the Big 12. That'll be fun in hour two. We're going to start tonight's show off with, look, it's, it's like you've always said, right, Tom? There's always something in the NFL to talk about, and now that they've actually started playing games preseason albeit but they're games now we have some discussion points to talk about and i think we want to talk about tom how the big name quarterbacks from this previous april's draft did in week one you know this is the story and this is the story because we are looking at this as a very potentially um the next group right i mean we've been trying to replicate what they did uh, you know years and years and years ago with jim kelly you know uh, dan marino years right we've been trying to replicate that and what we've really had here are we're having busts and busts and busts. Am I right? I mean, look, look at the back-to-backs that we've had lately. Mariota and Winston. I, I think it's fair to call both of them busts in the NFL, right? Uh, what about Goff and Wentz? They're, they're certainly not big successes, but you know, look, both of them did get to a Super Bowl in their own way. Uh, but I, th- I don't think people are overly happy about what they did one two. And now all of a sudden, you have a crop. Well, it's not one-two, right? No one's talking about the guy that went two, actually. It's not one-two. It's one-two, also add in, oh, by the way, Lance and Fields, right? So you got one-two, three, and then throw in Fields. And the fan bases are just pumped up. I'm part of one of the fan bases. I mean, I'm sitting here as a Bears fan, and I'm going, can it be? Do we have a quarterback, right? Can you imagine it? Well, we have said time and time again, it's not only about the quarterback himself. It's about the situation you land in. So you look at a guy like Trey Lance and you go, even if he's not great, we know him with Shanahan could be something special, right? Fields, you go, okay, he, the talent can shine through. You look at a guy like Trevor Lawrence and we're already looking at him and you go, oh, we know what we have in him. And, and Wilson, you're saying, hey, well, we just be upright, learn and wait till the Jets put you know, something around you. I think it's, a cool situation that the fan bases are so engaged and so pumped up about all four of these guys. And, oh, by the way, I forgot Mac Jones, who yeah. I don't know if the fan base is pumped up about him yet, but he's another guy that you throw into the group. And is there a chance that he could be the best out of the five? Yeah, I think there's a chance. It's We always talk about preseason football. And funny, you know, you were you uh, had tweeted out over at Tom Barton Sports that, Basically, Nagy had said what the quarterback rotation was going to be for week one, and Josh Fields was going to get a good look for the Bears. And I tweeted back to you, does that mean we're betting on the Bears? And you're like, we never bet preseason week one. Or, you know, and it's hard to bet preseason period, right? Sure, there's spots, but 
really week one. It's it's a crapshoot, and um, he did he did get the bulk of the time in that game. Tom, he looked he looked pretty good. He made him see he was rusty early, but he came on and, and looked good once he got comfortable. You know what he brings is something that the new NFL needs and the Chicago Bears have never had, and that's athleticism. There, look, I was a Trubinsky guy, and I like Trubinsky. I like the aggressive move to go up and get Trubinsky. I like the idea of Trubinsky um, because I liked what he could do with his legs. You know, and I like when we sit back and you go, yeah, I like that he created things, but we like what Fields can do a little bit more as a collective. I'm not talking about the Bears fans as a collective football unit, right? I, I think we all know that if Fields and, and him went out at the same time, it, Trubinsky was going to be drafted after Fields. So it's a, it's a new kind of enthusiasm. It's a new kind of picture that is being formed. It, it may not mean anything. I don't, I don't care about the preseason. I barely, you know, doesn't matter to me. But I'll tell you what, as a Bears fan, I made sure I watched Justin Fields. I turned it on. And one of the announcers, the first things the announcer says, I can't believe that during a preseason game, people are this pumped up. This pumped up, it added energy. If he doesn't do great in preseason, who cares? If he doesn't even start in week one, Bears fans are going, all right, you know what, kind of who cares? But it's the enthusiasm that he brings to this fan base that is really something entertaining. And to watch a fan base get behind a guy that took his first snap this week, that's something cool. What do you, what do you, what do you pick out? Because in this game specifically, and the Bears did win twenty to thirteen, and they covered Tommy. By the way, um, you saw Tua play on the other side, you know. And we always talked about in years past the the changing of the guard, so to speak. And, and of course, we're going to jump into Trevor Lawrence here in a second. But isn't it fun that we haven't even started the regular season games, and you're really really looking at um, the future of the NFL for the next ten years minimum. Yeah, it really is. And, and it, is, it is a really cool thing to see, uh, you know, that we, we are in such good hands as fans. You know, we used to sit back, Tim, and I remember when we started the show and I used to argue all the time that mediocre guys, and I would argue all the time that Jay Cutler was one of the better quarterbacks in the league. And people go, oh, are you kidding me? I would say, listen, he's top 15. And that was my, my gauge because the league was so bad. And every year we would argue it. And every year, even Ron, who, who hated him, would go over and he would say, yeah, you know what? He's probably in that 14, 15, 16 range because the, the league was so terrible at quarterback play that you could make the argument that, hey, look, if the guy is in the top half. And I've made the argument most of my career. You're either in one of three groups with the quarterbacks. You're either top 10, which means, uh, hey, look, at any given day, you could be the best. You might even have a chance at an, at an MVP. You're that guy. Or you're the bottom third, which is, okay, your job is tenuous. You might be losing it real quick. And then you have 10 guys that are in the middle. Tim, this new league, the new way that we're going about it, why quarterbacks are jumping onto the scene and they understand uh, pro offenses, they're work, making it work with their legs, the, the, everything is different now. I look at the league, and I, I was going over a lot of the quarterbacks in the NFL just a couple of days ago, and I'm going, Tim, I don't think anyone really has a bad quarterback problem. I don't think I, I could find one team that you're going, wow. That's a major issue. Now, you have worries. Ben Roethlisberger's a worry. Can he stay healthy? Right? You worry about Wilson in New York. You worry about Daniel Jones. 
but there's nobody that's going, okay, that's a big, giant weakness of our team. You either have guys that you're hoping eventually grow up or guys that you're hoping hang on for one more year. But I think the quarterback position in the NFL is as strong as it's ever been top to bottom. Let's go to Jacksonville. The number one overall pick, Trevor Lawrence, debuted in his home stadium. Tommy, fumble early. Uh, not, you know, with the, the data size is not much to go by. Six to nine, 71 yards. What did you pick up from T. Lawrence in this game? I loved it. I, I think that Trevor Lawrence is going to be the closest thing to Stan Marino that we've ever seen from a rookie. I have never faltered on that, and I'm not going to falter on it now. Look, the offensive line was a problem. He got sacked twice, right, Tim? Um, the offensive line might be a problem. But he comes in with a coach that's going to let him fling the ball all over the field. He comes in with running backs that can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's coming in with it, that gunslinging mentality. And if you watched a, a couple of his highlights, the zip on the ball, the placement of it, it's just phenomenal, but it's the knowledge base. You know, everybody kind of wants to compare him to Andrew Luck, which I've done a few times, but he's got a different game than Luck, and I keep trying to figure out what kind of game he has. And I'm going to tell you, here's here's the kind of game that Trevor Lawrence has. A lot of it is a Peyton Manning type of, head, uh, you know, above-the-shoulders type of game. If you watch the one play that they're showing, and they're, they're saying, oh, man, look at, look at where he placed it. He actually underthrows the receiver to come back for it. Now everyone's going, well, if you overthrow him. But if they, he overthrew the receiver, there's a chance that the safety was going to come over in a spot like that where he should have been in that position. The safety should have been in that position. Trevor Lawrence, in a split second, knew if I undercut this receiver by just about a yard, he's going to come back to the ball, catch it 50 yards downfield. Yeah, he's not going to score for a touchdown, but that's the kind of placement. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is... As much as I'm a Bears fan and I like Fields, Trey Lance, you know I've been on Trey Lance before anybody knew who he was, okay? I, I'm big and hot on him. I'm telling you now, Trevor Lawrence is generational. I loved everything that I saw with him. And you know what? He got sacked a couple of times. I don't care. What's the, what's the, what do you think the proposed game plan is for these teams? You got one less preseason game. You have a situation where you probably aren't want to showcase the playbook. So he had limited snaps in this game. They play Monday night again. You expect the bulk of his time in the preseason will be this coming week, and then in week three, either not play him or limited again. You, you know, it's um, don't want to risk getting him injured, obviously, and it's a short preseason. Literally, we're three weeks away from the season opener. You know, I, I think it's a tough situation to ask, though, Tim, because we have a short preseason, sure, but it's also a brand-new coach. It's hard for me to understand what Urban Meyer wants to do with him. Now, I don't believe the rhetoric of, you know, he's not our number one quarterback. Um, but we have coaches. You have two frames of reference in coaching when, when we're talking about preseason. You have guys that actually do uh, like it. Um, they think that it's invaluable for rookies. They think that, you know, even veterans need it. And then you have the other side that they just flat-out don't care. They do not care. Just get out of training camp healthy, and that's it. Now, we know that Lawrence has to get a reps, and I do expect him to play a little bit more. And I, I think he's going to play in, in the third game as well, just because it is a rookie head coach. But, Tim, who knows? Urban Meyer in the back of his mind might be saying, you know what? I don't really care. Lawrence is my guy. I'm not risking him, and if he's going to have to learn on the fly, he's going to have to learn on the fly. It wouldn't shock me if that was Urban Meyer's mentality here. He's got a long-term deal. He knows he doesn't have to win this year. Just don't get that guy hurt. You mentioned Trey Lance. Uh, 
quite the debut with the, with an 80 yard touchdown strike. He, you know, when I looked at the rest of the game, I, I thought that he he didn't look comfortable under center, which like like you said, this the preseason. But uh, just quick pointing out the quick things that I saw. Yes, the touchdown was nice. I thought though he underperformed if if what we're looking at in in a week one preseason game, he really didn't look w- much better throughout the stint that he was in there. No, look, everyone's going to look at that huge touchdown, and that is the athleticism of Trey Lance. That is getting him out in space. That's what's going to what we're going to do. I, I get it. Uh, he only completed four of thirteen passes outside of that. Right? Um, he looked lost in the pocket. But Tim, this is a guy that played FCS football only one year. You know, he only played one year because of COVID. He got one year in one game. And he, he was raw anyway. I talked to guys, and I've had them on uh, the Sports Garden Network show, and I had them on two years ago talking about Trey Lance. And back then they said, look, he's he's young, he's raw, he's, he's got a lot of talent, but he's got to learn the nuances. Uh, you know, they were talking about Justin Fields, and, and just to bring it back, and you go, oh, Justin Fields could do everything. He's from Ohio State, played elite competition, all this, blah, 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 blah. Justin Fields never called a huddle. Never had to call the plays. He would look over at the sidelines, right? And everybody on the sideline, or the entire offense, would look and get the plays at the same time. So he never had to do that. Trey Lance had a couple of those kind of things. He never really was behind center. He had a different situation. He wasn't officially calling plays. So besides the game itself, you have these other nuances uh, that a rookie has to kind of take in and kind of absorb. I think Trey Lance is very raw, but I'm already seeing people, especially in these fantasy communities, sitting back and going, ah, you know what, he's going to start in game one. I know somebody went crazy, and they said, yeah, I'm taking him to win the MVP at 250 to one odds. Listen, hey, you get those kind of odds, might as well throw a couple of bucks on him, but it's, it's not going to happen, guys. You know, as good as these players look, and as good as they look young and raw and everything else, a guy like Trey Lance, he's got all the talent in the world, but I think Shanahan is smart enough to say, yeah, he might have talent, but he's just not going to be that guy. Not right now. He's too young and too raw. I was just going to ask you that. The Fields, Trevor Lawrence, start under center week one. I don't think Trey Lance does. Garoppolo probably gets the nod week one. I don't know if he, uh, Fields does either. I know every Bears fan wants it to happen. I know that Bears fans are screaming and yelling, but I've said this all along. I, I don't believe, I don't think for a second that Fields starts week one. Are you going to start Justin Fields, a rookie quarterback, week one on the road, prime time against Aaron Donald in the best defense in the league? Yeah. You know, why would you do that? Why Why are you starting him? So I never imagined Justin Fields starting in week one because of that, because of the matchup, because it's under the lights, because it's Aaron Donald, you know, you don't want to start him there. Now, can he start in week two? Sure, in week three, something like that? Sure, I think Justin Fields, it's not going to take him long to get in there. I don't think we go into October and Justin Fields isn't the starter. But I don't see him in there week one. Trey Lance, same thing. I don't see Trey Lance in there week one. And, and I'll tell you what, I don't know if I see Trey Lance in there until, I don't know, maybe week eight, week nine. Unless, obviously, an injury. Because here's the thing, San Francisco's got a very good team, too, right? And Garoppolo... Already brought them to a Super Bowl. Say what you want about Garoppolo, but he did. He brought them to a Super Bowl. So you look at, you know, is he going to have success? Sure. Do you pull out a guy like that that's already winning? Can you remove a winning quarterback? I'm not sure that you can, Tim. So I look at their schedule, right? 
I don't think he starts week one. It's at Detroit. They're going to win that game. He's going to be 1-0. At Philadelphia, they'll be heavily favored, probably 2-0. So he's going to be 2-0. He's got Green Bay and Seattle at home. Okay? I don't think you want them going up against Green Bay and Seattle at home. So let's say they split those. 3-1, Arizona at Arizona. Let's say they drop that. 3-2 going into a week six bye week. Do yeah. you do you then bring out Trey Lance to face Indianapolis and Chicago in Chicago? I don't think that. I'm looking for an entry point for Trey Lance. Tim, I, I don't necessarily see it. I don't see the entry point for Trey Lance unless it's a Garoppolo injury. Now, I think he will start, but I, I definitely don't think week one. And just real quick so we could do the same kind of thing with the scheduling for the Chicago Bears. You know, you look at they start off. On the road, primetime Sunday Night Football in L.A. against Aaron Donald. He's not, Justin Fields isn't starting that game. You want to start him at home against Cincinnati? Maybe. But then he's got to go to Cleveland the next week. I, I look at the Justin Fields scenario, and I go, sorry, sorry, Vegas fans, but here's when. You start him Sunday, October 3rd. You let Andy Dalton have three games under his belt. So Andy Dalton has this. He's got to face Aaron Donald on the road, then he gets to go get a little revenge against Cincinnati at home, then he goes to Cleveland, another very good defense. So, if he's 1-2, which is probably where he's going to be, it's justified. Okay, we're going to put Justin Fields in. You get to beat up on Detroit at home. Vegas, defense, which is terrible. Green Bay at home. Three winnable games, three defenses he could clean up on before having to face Tampa, San Francisco, and Pittsburgh in just a brutal 1-2-3 matchup. Over in New England, Tommy Mac Jones plays most of this game. Belichick puts him out there. He looked, I would say he looked pretty good for, I think he was very efficient. I think he looked like he knew what the, the playbook and what they would be calling. Does that mean he's a starter? I don't know. I don't think, probably not week one, but... Talk about Mac, but then also talk about former Oklahoma running back uh, Stevenson, who he looked impressive as well. Did he play himself into a spot on that roster? He may have, but I, I think this is all about, you know, Mac or Cam, and who do you feel more comfortable with? You know, Mac Jones, The one of the things about Mac Jones is that he was the guy that before the draft, before he went to New England, what did we say? He should be starting. He could start week one. He has the Alabama playbook, which is a, a pro-style offense. He's got the touch on the ball. The only thing he's missing is kind of the legs that these guys you know, have, and that's okay. It's a different animal. Belichick wants to run it this year. Belichick wants to use the tight ends. And Mac Jones fits this offense perfectly, but I still believe that Belichick thinks, okay, you know what? I might be able to squeeze something out uh, and something out of Cam Newton because you have to remember that. Belichick is still getting a little bit of heat. He's getting heat because he's getting blamed for him being there and, and them letting Brady walk away, Brady going on to win the championship and all that. Maybe it's not right, but that's what he's getting. So if he starts a rookie quarterback, and let's say he struggles, okay, struggles out of the gate, and he's you know looking, sitting there, and he's uh, you know, one and three or two and two, it's, it's going to be a bad look. Now, you start to look at their schedule, and you go, they start off at Miami, it's at home, winnable game, of course, but I don't know. Jets, winnable game on the road. New Orleans and Tampa, home and home. I don't think you want Mac Jones, and this is what I've said all along. I don't think you want Mac Jones facing Tom Brady in New England. 
I think it's too much pressure. Cam Newton could do it. And that's the game where you yank him. In week five, they go at Houston, probably the worst defense in the league. Dallas at home, top five worst defense. Jets at home. So he's got three games, Mac Jones, to clean up. So let me set the scenario for you. And I talked about this on my Sports Garden show a a couple of months ago. Here's the scenario for you. New England comes out of the gates. They lose to Miami. They're 0-1. They beat the Jets. They're 1-1, right? They, They... Beat New Orleans, they're one and two or or two and one doesn't really matter. They face Tom Brady in New England, prime time Sunday, October third. Tim, if Cam Newton loses that game, well, what is the headline the next day? The next day, the headline is not Cam Newton loses that game. The headline is Brady comes into New England and beats Belichick, unless. Belichick is able to rewrite the script because here's the here's the the script that's written. The next day, Monday morning, you wake up, you will have a week of Tom Brady came into your house and beat you. Unless, hey, I'm pulling Cam Newton, putting Mac Jones. Because now all of a sudden, forget about what happened just 12 hours ago, right? Forget about what happened 12 hours ago where they just beat you up. Eight o'clock in the morning, you announce that Mac Jones is your new starter. That's the new headline in Boston. And that's now Belichick's excuse. Now, if Mac Jones goes on and has a good year, and Mac Jones goes on and has a good career, what are they going to say about that? Well, Belichick stuck with Cam a little too long. But if they had Mac Jones, they could have beaten Brady. And that's the, the way that Belichick wants to write this. Cam Newton will be the starter until he loses to Tom Brady at home. And when he loses to Tom Brady in Foxborough, because, look, Tampa Bay's coming in with a much better team, when they lose to Tampa Bay in Foxborough on primetime TV, Belichick will be able to flip the narrative, make Mac Jones the starter the next week, and everyone will give him a pass. And this takes us to Jose Volante's favorite quarterback, Tom. Zach Wilson made his preseason debut for the Jets in the Battle of New York. Giants-Jets, I, I don't know how that game went over there on your end of the, the country, Tommy, but... A 12-7 win for the Jets. Wilson, 6 of 9, 63 yards. He looked fine. And, and I'll tell you, I'm seriously impressed with this guy um, off the field. You know, him coming to the podium, knowing that all this pressure is on him, knowing that the entire city of New York is looking at this game and basically saying, ah, it doesn't really matter how many passes I tried to complete or, or how I did. It's a learning process out there. I'm still just trying to learn the offense. and try. I, it's a mature answer, Tim. A mature answer from a kid that looks about 12 years old, but it, it was a mature answer. Yeah, it, it's funny because the New York Jets fan base is the sole exception here. Jacksonville's through the roof. People loving it. Justin Fields, people, every every Bears jersey is Justin Fields now. Trey Lance, put him in there. We don't even care about the guy that brought us to the Super Bowl two years ago. Nobody cares about that. Mac Jones, oh, yeah, here we go. He's the next Tom Brady. And Jet fans are just not backing up Wilson. Yet, I think... He's got the chance to be the most embraced quarterback this year. Because Fields isn't starting game one. He might not start for three, four, five games. Maybe maybe Nagy doesn't let him start for half a season. Trey Lance isn't starting game one. Trey Lance might not start for half the season. Mac Jones. What if, what if Cam goes out there and beats Brady? Mac Jones might not start. Four, five, six, seven. I, I don't see them starting. Trevor Lawrence is the only guy. And look, Jacksonville's a bad team. They expect Trevor Lawrence to walk on water. 
Wilson's the only guy out there that has zero expectations, a starting job week one, management that they know did not put people around him, and he's the only player that I we've talked about here, Tim, that has the ability to fail in week in year one. If Trevor Lawrence has a bad year one, people are going to say that's it, his career's over. Mac Jones, it was a terrible pick. Why? Why'd you? Why'd you bench him? Right? Justin Fields was the reason why he fell. Okay, you can go through a train lands. Oh, he's too young, too too new. There's only one guy that has the ability to fall flat on his face this year. Use it as purely a learning experience, like Peyton Manning did. Okay, we get one win. Look how bad he was. Troy Aikman got one win. They were awful. There's only one player, and that's that's Wilson. I like what I see in this kid off the field. On the field, a little bit, little bit of speculation there that he's not going to be good. I understand Jet fans not getting all crazy about how good he could be. But I'm just telling Jet fans, don't throw it away yet because he knows the situation he's in. And the self-awareness is big. Look, I'm coming to the New York Jets. They're a dysfunctional franchise. They gave me no help. They really have no receivers. The offensive line's bad. We don't really have a big running back. It's going to be on me. I kind of know we're going to stink this year, but I'm still going to go out there and I'm going to develop. I like that mentality, Tim. I think Wilson probably has two years, Tommy. One would say they get two, three wins this year, four, maybe five in year two. He say he still has uh, he still has room on that leash. These other guys don't. You're right. He's the guy that you go. Just give me something to cheer for. You know, we're not asking you to win games. Okay, and, you know, you're, you're part of the Jets and a rebuild on the Jets. Okay, we're not asking you to go out there and dominate. We're not asking you to go out there and even win games, but go out there and give me something to cheer for. Go out there and be the guy that Jet fans can proudly wear his jersey and say, hey, look, whew, at least we got this guy. Be that guy. And you know what, Tim? I think he can be that guy. I don't know how much better he'll be than just that player. But I think he can be that guy, and we are, are fine with him being that guy. Um, in, in NFL circles, you go, yeah, Jet fans, what are you expecting? And the answer coming back from Jet fans is, don't worry, not much. Tommy Barton, Tim Unglesby, Ari Platinum with you here on Heatwave Sports on a Sunday night. We're going to take our first time out, let the sponsors get a little love here on the show. We come back. Still got Major League Baseball to go through as the, the pennant chase is, is heating up here mid-August. About a month and a half left in the Major League Baseball season. And, of course, our two college football previews will continue. Big 12, Conference USA. All that coming up here on E-Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio. Now back to Heat Wave Sports. Here's Tim Unglesby and Tom Barton. And we're going to switch over to the Diamond Major League Baseball week in review. Tommy, we've been updating the Major League Baseball season week after week, and we are getting into the final weeks here as we head to the playoffs. So we've passed the trading deadline. We've seen these teams adjust with their new players Let's start in the National League. Last week, Tom, I literally said on this show, watch out for the Atlanta Braves. That's the team you should be looking at in the East. And they ripped off just a weekend's sweep. They've won 8 of 10. They now have passed Philadelphia. It's a slim lead, Tom, but right now the Braves, one game over the Phillies, two and a half over the Mets. Yeah, look, yeah, I mean, the Mets are just 
awful. Uh, I've gone over this a couple of times. The Mets are in a bad way here, Tim. They can't pitch. They can't hit. They can't get out of their own way. And and, uh, the sports books just keep giving us money with them because people go, oh, yeah, they're going to be fine. No, they're not going to be fine. The Mets are a disaster. At this point, look, Tim, um, I spoke about this this morning on the Sports Garden Network show, and the easiest schedule in the National League from here on out, Philadelphia. The hardest schedule in the National League from here on out, the New York Mets. Tim, it's a two-team race. It's Philadelphia or Atlanta. Yeah. The Mets, literally, Tom. Guy was throwing a note here and lost the game. They lost the game. <laughs> that, that just kind of sums it all up, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So when you look at the Braves and the Phillies, and this is the race that's going to come down to, I don't have the set schedule in front of me. I don't know how many times they play down the stretch. But, is it, you know, obviously it's going to come down to – the power that the Phillies can bring behind the, the bats and whatever arms are, are still working there in Atlanta, which I know they went out and the, 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 the moves they made at the deadline, Tom, weren't exactly these blockbuster name moves for, for the Braves. But what they did was they basically shored up depth wise, not only their bullpen, but their starting rotation. Well, I, you know, it, it's hard for me to say this to and this is going to be, uh, kind of uh, the, the negative Nancy in me, if you want to say that. Tim, I don't want to talk about the good of Philly and the Braves because look at what their records are right now. Mm-hmm. In any other division in baseball, it, they would be buried as well, right? I mean, we're talking about two teams that we're getting excited about now because of the ineptitude of the New York Mets. That's it. That's the only reason. So, yeah, they did. Look, both of these teams went out. They both uh, you know, made some adjustments. They both brought in some things. You could talk about Bryce Harper looking pretty good. Uh, you could talk about them bringing in a Kyle Gibson, which was a nice player, right? I mean, you could you could go down that road. But Tim, Atlanta and Philly, they're battling at about 61-62 wins. That's St. Louis Cardinals territory, who are 10 games back. Okay? In the West, they'd be about 15 games back. Bring them to the American League, Tim. They'd be behind the Mariners about 10 games back of Houston. You bring them to the Central, they'd be about eight games back of the White Sox. Bring them to the American League East, they'd be in fourth place about 10 games back. So while I, I know it's a talking point because, hey, look, it's going to be a battle. And, you know, Atlanta and Philly, they're, they're battling it out. And they're catching up. Tim, if they were in any other division in baseball, they're about 10 games back of the leader. Instead, they're battling this out. So to me, the conversation about this division has nothing to do with Atlanta or Philly and how good they're playing. It's more about just how awful the division itself is and how bad the New York Mets are. True. But we've seen, Tom, whether it's one of these teams or both these teams that make the playoffs, we've seen teams figure it out, playoff time, and and go on further than, than maybe we expected they would. So for them, it's a matter of just getting in there and qualifying. We know that both those teams struggled mightily in the first more than more than half the season. I mean, look at the runs against. It just tells you bullpen and starting rotations were just battered. So, yeah, I, look, they wouldn't be in the playoffs in any other division. I get it. One of them is making it for sure. So we'll see how that pans out in the central. But are either one of them, but, but Tim, right, like, yeah. are either one of them a threat to you? I like Atlanta a lot. I really do. Dude, with and the pitching that that it's become, though, I mean, with no Soroka, no Acuna for the year, I don't know why. I I think 
it's, I, I can't even go off the analytics on this one. It's more of I, I remember last year so much, and a lot of that core of that team is there still. I think if they can get there, anything happens at that point. Morton's a veteran. I think like Freed. I think he pitched well in the playoffs last year. And sometimes it's not a matter of being able to go four deep, Tom. I, I know you have to have the staff, but sometimes you could just ride somebody through, and maybe they can do it. Probably not, right? With the Dodgers and the Bucks or the Brewers in there, probably not. But I think it would be fun. And if it's Philly again, look, if they're healthy, Eflin, Wheeler, and Nola. That's a formidable trio to face in the playoffs, as well as they short up their bullpen. And, of course, they hit, they hit the ball a mile. So if it's the I, – I like Atlanta. If it's Philly, though, if I have to pick, I think Philly goes further. But I like them both. I, I really do. Yeah. I, I, to me, they're one-and-done exits, kind of a waste of space at this point uh, in both cases. I, I'm, I just don't see it. Aaron Noel hasn't been the guy this year. I, I think Atlanta just you – know, you can't – go into the playoffs with holes uh, of Acuna and even Ozuna and just expect to, them to turn it around. Uh, me and you are different, different planes here. I think that that division is just whoever gets in, it's been nice. It's been nice knowing you. Nice little get out of town real quick. Well, let's shift to the West. I'll give you my one and done. The Giants are my one and done, even though they're leading this division and have all year long proven everybody wrong. They didn't believe in them. The Dodgers are four behind. The Padres you know, 14 games over 500, yet 10 games back, still a chance to grab that second wild card. I think the Giants are the one and done, Tom. Wow. See, now, I, I'm somebody that I jumped on the Giants uh, about a month into the season. I said, you know what? I, I just, I think we have to just appreciate what they keep doing. And what they're doing is the Dodgers are having a phenomenal season and they cannot catch ground. They just can't seem to catch up. I mean, San Francisco Giants went over their team total wins mark, uh, you know, this week. It was 75 and a half in some places, 76. It, it, they got 76 wins. This is a team that we, we look at from the top on bottom here. Kevin Gossman might be the Cy Young. So he's a legit ace. I, I, I know that there are concerns. And how can you go about it with this offense? But their offense, Tim, look. It, it, they lead the National League in home runs, so their offense is good. I am having a hard time, you know, buying into the one and done with San Francisco because of uh, not only what they're going to do, but who they potentially might match up with. I, I just don't see it. I do. I don't see San Francisco going on to the Super uh, to, to the World Series. And I don't think San Francisco is going to go on and even beat the Dodgers. And they might. They might have problems with Milwaukee, but Tim. You know what? I, I, I keep doubting them, and everyone keeps doubting them. It's hard to get doubt a 76-win team this far into the season. I mean, we might get our, our answer, right? It might be Atlanta or Philadelphia, who they play in the first round. So we might get our answer right there. I I look at this team and the story, and you know me, Tom. I love Cinderella stories, and I'm calling it that because of what they were expected to be when the season started. And when I look at their lineup, and yes, you're right. They hit the baseball. Everything's going right. I see a busted lineup of just older veteran names. Now, I love the Bryant pick. The Bryant move, I thought, was, was one of my top ones at the deadline. I loved what they did there. They went out and said, it's going well for us. We're going to bring him in. We're going to put the bat in lineup, and we're going to just ride this out. But, I, I, you know, I love Posey to death. I love Longoria. I like Brandon Bell, who's back now. I just don't see it. 
for whatever reason, because when I look at the pen or look at the starting rotation, and yes, you know me, Kevin Gossman, Oriole, brave, big fan. I, I love what he's done this year. Let's put him in that situation in the playoffs. Uh, Di Scafani, no faith in that. Johnny Cueto is always injured. And then who, is, who do you have left? Wooden Webb? I don't, I don't know, Tom. That's what worries me about them. I think if you get in a short game and they go to the pens, I like the Giants then. If they can shorten that game in the playoffs and they get in the pen, they have every opportunity to win these close games. But if their starting pitching gets hammered, they're not coming back. Yeah, look, basically they got to win game one. And I like Webb. I think Webb should be their number two. Wood is falling apart. He's got Fanny. You're right. I don't have any confidence in him or, or Cueto. But I like the one, too. I, I like Webb being two. But that, it is it is an interesting scenario where if you are going up against San Francisco and, and you got Gaussman, you know, game one, you got to take him out. Yeah, you, you have to. You know, if you will go down 0-1 to the Giants and then they could just utilize that bullpen to no end, yeah, you're all but, but finished. And that's the problem when you're talking about San Francisco, is that they know how they have to play their game, and they force people to play that kind of game. If somebody could get them out of that rhythm, that's why I think a team like Milwaukee really is flying under the radar, because a team like Milwaukee is that, all right, cool, we'll go pitch for pitch with you, yeah. right? I mean, we can't hit, but in the playoffs, maybe you can't either, but we'll go pitch for pitch. That's the thing about the Brewers, 442 runs allowed, and a legitimate, right, Tom, a legitimate threesome when you head in the playoffs of guys that are have been very successful this season you know I, I again I go back to to Philly and say well they got a threesome right but look Eflin and Wheeler have had their issues Milwaukee has been pretty rock solid with that staff and in the playoffs if the if the games are shortened again go to the pen right I like Milwaukee's bullpen too so I think we're just in a year where as good as the Dodgers are uh, as good as Everybody loved the Padres to be in the year, as good as the Giants have been. Right now, before the playoffs have even started, and I haven't seen any matchups, Tom, I like Milwaukee to win the West, or the, win the American National League. And uh, it's going to be hard to take me off of that hill right now. Tim, if they could get anything, and I mean anything, from Christian Yelich right now, I'd be all over, all over that with you. All over anything, that with you. Anything except for getting thrown out of a game? Is that? <laughs> yeah. I, they just need offense, and they need it desperately. Um, right now, Rowdy Talese is, is kind of cranking the ball for them, a guy that was jettisoned from Toronto. Uh, Lorenzo Kane coming back from the dead, and he actually has looked good for the last week. But none of these guys scare me. You know, that's the problem. Nobody in that lineup, including Christian Yelich now, because he's a shell of himself, nobody scares me in that lineup. Can they pitch and can they win one nothing games all day long? Yeah, they have that kind of almost Diamondbacks feel to them, right? Remember when they had Johnson and Schilling, and it didn't matter that Luis Gonzalez was the only arm, <laughs> only guy on that team that could hit his way out of a paper bag, right? I mean, that's okay if you can get that kind of production. But if one guy falters, they're done. I love the value on Milwaukee. I like the fact that everybody's overlooking Milwaukee. I like it all. But they need somebody to step up and be kind of that bat in the middle. Because I'm sorry, Tim, come playoff time, Willie Adamas isn't scaring me. If stats mean anything, Tom, the Brewers are 40-20 and 20 on the road. They have a better road record than home record. And against the National League West, who most, more than likely that'll be who they're facing for a right to go to the World Series. They are 20-8 and eight against the West this year. So they're not scared of those teams, Tom. 
But like you said, when you get in the playoffs, it's a completely different animal. Tim, what about the other team chasing them? Because I mentioned it earlier. The team with the easiest record in baseball from here on out is Philadelphia. The team with the second easiest record in baseball from here on out schedule in baseball, the Cincinnati Reds. The Cincinnati Reds play Pittsburgh nine more times this year. They've won eight and nine contests against them already. The Cincinnati Reds, when it counts most late in the year, they are having a cakewalk here. I personally, I called this a couple of weeks ago. I think the Reds get the final wild card. I think San Diego's sitting at home because San Diego has 19 games left with San Francisco and L.A. Here's here's just a glimpse of what uh, the Cincinnati Reds have. The Cubs, the Marlins, the Marlins again, St. Louis, which is tough, but at home. Detroit, the Cubs, Pittsburgh. They got a three-game set against L.A. They finished the season, though. Tim, from September 14th until October 3rd, the last day, day of season. They get nine games against Pittsburgh, four games at home against Washington Nationals out of those games. Now they got to play L.A. And, and the White Sox for five. They, they are going to clean up. Not only do I think this, this Reds team takes over that wild card spot. Tim, as much as we are on top of the Brewers, it's not out of the realm of the possibility that the Reds catch them because this schedule is a joke from here on out for Cincinnati. They also, Tom, have a injury-free rotation that's overlooked, I think, when, when you're looking at uh, depth-wise. Castillo, Gray, Molly, and Miley. That's you know th- These aren't uh, names that are, are raising eyebrows anywhere, but they're all consistent inning years. Yeah, and, and you start to look at that lineup, which was, okay, it's a nice lineup. Castellanos, Winker. Votto in the middle. Tyler Stevenson's red hot. I mean, they are a dynamic. And if Luis Castillo could find what he is, he, he went through a bad early por- portion of the season, then he got real hot. If he is that true number one, I mean, you said Miley. I don't think anybody expects Miley to be one. If Castillo's a one, you have a dominant one with that lineup behind you. Now that's scary. Let's move to the American League. How about the West? Houston, 70 and 47, Tom. But Oakland still will not go away. They won eight to ten. They are two and a half behind the Houston Astros in that division. Tim, Oakland's going to go away, and here's why. Do you know that as of today, the Houston Astros are minus nine hundred to win this division? You're getting plus five hundred back with Oakland. Hmm. You know why? The Oakland A's have the hardest American League schedule from here on out, and the easiest is the Houston Astros. So yeah, they they know a thing or two. You look at this Houston schedule, Tim. It is it's it's laughable. Uh, you know, I know Oakland's got a tough schedule, and you could go, well, you know what? A good team can beat tough schedules. Yeah, but you got to catch a team that has a laughable schedule. Here's the Houston schedule. Just, uh, just a quick rundown here. Four against Kansas City, three at home against Seattle, three more against Kansas City. Then you go play Texas, Seattle, San Diego, Seattle, the Angels, Texas, Arizona, Angels, Oakland, Tampa, Oakland. So, you know, you, you look at – they play – and you just look at the series. I'm just going to tell you what the place of the team in the series. Ready? Fourth place, Kansas City. Third place, Seattle. Fourth place, Kansas City. Fifth place, Texas. Uh, third place, Seattle. Third place, San Diego. Third place, Seattle. Fourth place, Angels. Fifth place, Texas. Fifth place, Arizona. Fifth or fourth place, L.A. I mean, it's a joke of a schedule. Houston's going to clean up. The only positive is, hey, Oakland gets them six times in the last nine days. Right. They're going to have to 
basically win, keep that lead down and, and take them out. They're going to have to take them out five of the six and have be within uh, five games, right, Tom? I, I mean, was going to say it might not matter, Tim. They might lose all six of those games and still lose the division by a game or two. <laughs> we know the Astros can, can hit 642 runs, leads major leagues. If they get into tight games, Tom, is Granky McCullers, I'm not sure what Valdez is on a pitch uh, innings limit or not, but that would be their top three heading into the playoffs. You get the pen. The, Graver, the Graveman pickup from Seattle, I love that a lot for Houston as a setup to Presley. They can win the, the close games, right, Tom? So they can do it both ways. I expect to see the Astros at least in the American League Championship Series. Uh, I, now that's a team that I have won and done, Tim. Okay. I think the Astros are one and done. I think their pitching is is weak. Lance McCullers has looked bad. He's given up four runs or more in four of his last five starts um, coming into today where he actually had a good start and he didn't win, okay? But he hasn't looked great. Zach Granke is solid, but he's not the Zach Granke that we, we used to know. You just mentioned about innings limits. Who's their third pitcher? Who's their fourth pitcher? Their bullpen's fantastic, but it's going to be taxed. And Lance McCullers is not a guy that I'm 100% convinced is just going to ride this thing out either. The best thing for the rest of the American League is that Oakland keeps us close and Houston can't just sit guys down. Uh, I have Houston getting eliminated by anybody that comes out of the American League because I think every American League wild card uh, can beat this team head-to-head in the series. It's going to be fun, Tom. We, we usually aren't uh, disagreeing on... on many we're, we're off on a few here in this this will be an interesting playoff situation now what we do agree on is in the central the indians are not catching the white Sox. there's a 10 game difference there what do you do if you're tony larusa and the white Sox, though tom and could it could there be a situation where these guys get lackadaisical or, or just kind of going through the motions the rest of this way out and not be ready for the playoffs yeah, there can be, but here's the thing that Tony LaRusso got got very, very, very lucky because he's got automatic infusion of energy, right? Eloy Jimenez comes back. Oh, you guys are going through the dog days. Oh, Eloy's back. All right, cool. That's an enthusiastic, uh, you know, just an energy boost, right? Then, well, Luis Roberts back. Oh, that's a cool energy boost right there, right? I mean, they're they're getting these kind of energy boost guys and guys like Eloy Jimenez that haven't played all year, Luis Roberts that hasn't played all year. Um, they're not going to be tired in two or three weeks and going, ah, we're up by 10 games. No, because it's brand new to them, right? They haven't been here. A guy like Andrew Vaughn is on the team. He's going to keep them fresh. I think the White Sox are a massively dangerous team because of that. You know, bring a, a guy like Craig Kimball over. You know, you've been on a losing team. All right, well, here you go. you got a winning team. Now, oh, okay. I think the enthusiasm will stay up because of the new blood. All right, when we come back for Hour 2, we'll start it off with the American League East. Of course, Tampa, Boston, Yankees all in a fight there, and even Toronto hanging around in that division. We'll see how Tom breaks down the AL East. I know where he, I know who he has in the playoffs. Let him explain it to us on the other side. E-Wave Sports, Sunday night, Fox Sports Radio. 